This program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Problems, calling the sounds, calling the guests. She's the webmaster. Paul Sandler was a one look cast maintaining the website, not to mention the host, interviewing the guests, explaining the issues, giving opinions, and calling out the bad guys. And then you get the Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com. God, it never fails. So we have, we are streaming video today. We're all good. It's all working. Yay. Because yesterday was not fun at all. I, and then I screwed up on the intros, but whatever, you know, one more day till vacation. And, and so it's all good. Um, yesterday though, I got to go to yesterday. I was so excited about yesterday's show because the Marsh family was back. And the thing is, it's a very video heavy program because we played a bunch of their songs, their video productions. And I, I, you know, I do my whole setup thing and we usually stream just so you know, I stream video to YouTube. That's the main video stream. And it also goes out to Facebook, uh, to Twitch and to Twitter. Um, but yesterday there was a problem with YouTube. It turns out that that was the, the problem was with YouTube, not with my encoding program, but it also affected Twitch and Twitter. So there was no stream there. Facebook apparently worked, but not for everybody. Um, and it was so frustrating. So once the, the live show ended, I did upload the video, but you got to, it doesn't show up with the live shows on my YouTube page. So I got to figure out how to feature it because it's it's so good. So I hope you'll go back and watch it, especially if you are a fan of the Marsh family and who isn't really, come on. So anyway, welcome to Thursday. We are uh, counting down the days. Um, As I told you, next week I will be on vacation, but I got to tell you, I've been working all day and putting together shows to run next week. So let me tell you what we've got. On Monday, it's going to be, it's, it's sort of a, a compendium of sorts. It's the calls to Ukraine from, uh, I don't know if you remember, but, y- you know, it will jog your memory on Monday. Um, days before Putin launched his war on Ukraine. You know, we had heard that it was going to happen. And I called a couple of hotels. I got through to a few people. They did not seem at all concerned. And that's what freaks me out because I go back to, um, uh, you know, to remember what happened. And I think of this one woman who we reached at the Intercontinental Hotel in Kiev, who was just Nothing's going to happen here. It'll be out in the Donbass region. That's where they are fighting. But in Kiev, we're fine. And all I could think about is after the bombing began, how they were going to, what she must have been thinking. It's like, oh, my God, that woman called me from America. How did she know this was going to happen? Anyway, it was um, after the bombing began that I called back, not her, but that's when I called the Friends Forever Hostel and met Tanya, who at the time, uh, her her real name is Tatiana, but her friends call her Tanya. So at the beginning, I was calling her Tatiana, but now we're friends. Anyway, so that's what Monday will feature, are the original calls to Ukraine, then the call when I got Tanya on the line, and then the follow-up call when she was in Dubai. So uh, that'll be Monday. I thought it's a nice follow-up to yesterday with President Volodymyr Zelensky, and we'll get into that in a moment. On Tuesday... 
my interview with uh, Steve Van Zandt, you know, uh, from Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band and the Sopranos and, yeah, all that, because that was fun. On uh, Wednesday, it'll be uh, the hour I spent with Ellie Mastal talking about his book. Thursday, it's Rachel Bittacoffer. And on Friday, it's a repeat of the, 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 these are all shows from this year, from 2022. Um, Wendell Potter, his last appearance here was in October. And it was the day that um, open enrollment began for Medicare. And so we really went into great detail on the difference between original Medicare and what they call Medicare Advantage that really should be called Medicare Disadvantage. So that's what's going to run next week while I'm on a staycation, because we're not going anywhere, but I got stuff to do here. And uh, I get to go help my kid find a car because she totaled hers. You know, it never ends. Anyway, so here we are yesterday. Um... You know, uh, there, let me let me bring you up to speed on what's happening today because it's still a busy time in D.C. I know everyone's itching to get out, to get home for the holidays, to beat this massive storm that's coming up everywhere. You can see, by the way, I'm dressed uh, again. I'm still here in a in a tank top dress because it's hot. I'm sorry. I'm in Florida. And right now, I mean, it is cloudy out. It looks like it's going to rain. The cold front is coming in. But right now, it's 82 degrees and it's humid. But the cold front is coming in. Over the next few nights, it's going to dip into the 40s here in southeast Florida. And they are already warning us to watch out, I kid you not, for falling iguanas. I've told you about this before. I'm not making it up. It's a real thing. We have, you know, iguanas are not native to uh, South Florida. And so somebody brought them in and we have a, we, we're inundated with them. And what happens is when it gets cold, when it dips into, oh, you know, the 40s for sure. Um, here, I'm going to bring up, if I can... Where's the, where is that? Is it there? No. Uh, do I not have the screen up? Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, I think, what happened to that screen. Um, I, I, give me a second. I'm going to bring it up for you. There is a, <laughs> um, a warning from, who is this from? The National Weather Service in Miami. And, okay, there it is. Um. If it's going to allow me to bring the screen up, I don't know why it's it's not working. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Okay, there it is. Um, uh, all right, now I, now I just have to adjust the picture. I'm sorry. It, it, I should be a lot better prepared than this. But hold on one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this graphic only because it's it's not funny, haha. It's just it's weird that this is an actual um, warning here for South Florida from the National Weather Service, and it says, falling iguanas possible tonight. Here it is. And there's a picture of an iguana. Looks a little like a dragon. Um, Oh, and this is from 2020. Okay, but it's back today because the National Weather Service from Miami tweeted this out. Um, 
uh, again, they I guess they retweeted it from 2020. Some of our iguana friends may be sleeping in tomorrow morning, whether they plan to or not. Also, don't be surprised if you see them falling from trees as lows drop into the 30s and 40s. And it says iguanas are cold-blooded. They slow down or become immobile when the temperature drops into the 40s. Uh, they may fall from trees, but they're not dead. And they warn you, don't go near them. If you see an iguana lying on the ground that appears to be dead, it may not be. And once it warms up, <laughs> it could bite you. So, yeah, just leave them alone. Actually, if you see, if you see an iguana, go the other way. So that's how, and that's the least of it. Look, at the rest of the country, you guys are dealing with um, just what they're calling, you know, a once in a generation storm. Now, unfortunately, we're getting these once in a generation, once in a hundred year storms, you know, every few months. But they're saying forecasters predict an onslaught of heavy snow, ice, flooding, and powerful winds from today through Saturday across a broad swath of the country. Then, as if that's not enough, a surge of Arctic air will follow. Holiday travel is already being impacted. Southwest Airlines said it's canceled 500 out of its 4,000 scheduled flights today and tomorrow, with at least 140 flights into or out of Denver that were canceled yesterday. Here's my, my trick. I don't travel during the holidays. If you wait until after the holidays... Then, first of all, the prices come down because the demand goes down, and you're not dealing with the the craziness. I know, I know. There's a thing about the holidays, but what are you celebrating? I guess celebrate, you know, the the new year, the end of the old year. Because <laughs> frankly, I have not been upset to see any years uh, recently end. Just always hoping for a better new year. So, ah, you know, but stay home. Uh, If you're on the roads, uh, just be really careful. All right. So somebody who did travel this week and traveled a long way is Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, who, um, you know, it seemed like it just happened like really quickly, like it was a whirlwind trip, apparently, as they tend to do these things. It was planned for a while. And Vladimir Zelensky showed up. He he went to the White House yesterday. Do you remember how he wanted uh, a White House Oval Office meeting with the former guy? And that's when all the problems started, when the former guy tried to coerce him into lying. So you tell, you announce, make a, make a statement that there's an investigation into Joe Biden's family's, you know, business dealings in Ukraine, and then we'll help you. That, you know, that was the beginning of the craziness surrounding the former guy. Anyway, Vladimir Zelensky made it to the Oval Office yesterday and had a wonderful meeting with, with President Biden. They had a little press conference, a little bit of levity in there. And then um, last night, he addressed a joint meeting of Congress. It wasn't a joint session, but a joint meeting of Congress. And, well, here's a little bit of what President Zelensky said, I hope. Against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. 
Ukraine is alive and kicking. Now, I got to tell you, the standing ovations were, were, were nice to see. First of all, it was a full chamber. It was interesting in that we saw, now imagine this for a moment, Democrats and Republicans walking side by side, sitting together, standing together, right? Giving standing ovations to the president of Ukraine um, during his, uh, his address, but not all of them. There's the, the, the creepy contingent. And by them, I'm talking Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, you know, those people who not only didn't stand for anything, apparently they were like yucking it up and they think it's hysterically funny, I guess, that people are being killed. Um, Simon says, I thought there were lots of empty chairs. Yes and no. Here's the thing. Only 85 Republicans, House Republicans out of 213 showed up. So if there are empty seats, that's what it was. And members were not allowed to bring guests. The only person who was allowed to invite guests who weren't elected uh, members of Congress or cabinet members or other, you know, uh, Washington officials were guests of President Zelensky. And in fact, when they showed a group up in the gallery, you know, the upper area is usually filled with dignitaries and guests of of um, of the members of Congress. Um, that area was all empty except for this group of Ukrainian refugees, basically people who fled Ukraine, who fled the war and were here in the U.S. So. Uh, um Anyway, we'll, um, you know, we'll talk about all this, but uh, it was encouraging to see when when, uh, President Zelensky entered the chamber, the standing ovation went on for, for me, it felt like forever. Um, uh, The the recounts of it say two minutes and 14 seconds. Now, two minutes and 14 seconds of a, 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 a raucous standing ovation is a long, long time. And he, he, President Zelensky, seemed a little uncomfortable. Finally, he's like, this is too much. It's too much. Nancy Pelosi finally like said, OK, members, uh, welcome. It's my duty as Speaker of the House to welcome to the, whatever her official announcement was. And then she officially introduces him and they start standing and applauding again. But that's the pomp and circumstance. It's like they had, um, they called out a list of probably 20 members of the House and Senate who were going to be the official escorts to escort the president into the House chamber. Well, what? They had 20 people march in before him. But again, it's tradition, it's pomp and circumstance, and that's what they did. Um, I was really. Look, I've been impressed with Vladimir Zelensky for a long time, but I was so impressed with his speech. You know, during the press conference in the afternoon, he went back and forth between speaking Ukrainian and speaking English. Um, and he, 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 his English is pretty good. Now, with the speech, obviously, it was written out. He got to rehearse it. It wasn't just like answering questions at a press conference, but... His delivery was perfect, even though he has a thick accent, obviously. You can see, I'm going to play a little one video clip from him. You can see him reading 
the text. He wasn't reading from a teleprompter. It was the paper in front of him, and he was using his finger to keep his place. But you could tell he's a trained professional because um, his his delivery was so good. Um, I sometimes have a hard time getting through thick accents. You know, I often turn on the, the closed captioning on the TV so I don't miss something when I'm watching. You know, my old age, my hearing's gone. But um, I didn't even need that with him because I could understand everything he said. Like in this clip, when he urged global unity, like global unity against Russia and, and of course, Putin. The battle continues and we have to defeat the Kremlin on the battlefield. Yes, This battle is not only for the territory, for this or another part of Europe. The battle is not only for life, freedom and security of Ukrainians or any other nation which Russia attempts to conquer. This struggle will define in what world our children and grandchildren will live and then their children and grandchildren. It will define whether it will be a democracy of Ukrainians and for Americans, for all. Hmm. This battle cannot be frozen or postponed. It cannot be ignored, hoping that the ocean or something else will provide a protection from the United States to China, from Europe to Latin America, and from Africa to Australia. The world is too interconnected and interdependent to allow someone to stay aside and at the same time to feel safe when such a battle continues. He's so good. Yeah, again, someone in the chat room just mentioned him following along with his finger, so he didn't lose his place because he read each word with feeling because obviously lives are depending on this. You know, I did send a message to my friend Tanya, who's over there in Ukraine. And I, and I wrote um, last night, President Zelensky is an amazing man. His trip over here was courageous. Oh, I, spent, I sent it early this morning. His speech last night was carried on all the TV networks and was brilliant. And she wrote back, thank you very much for your enthusiasm. I'm very proud that he is our president. Uh, as she should be. You know, I, I worry about her. The latest, a um, couple of days ago, you know, they're bombing they're bombing the uh, the infrastructure, the electricity, the water, so that um, I, somebody, I think uh, President Zelensky used a line last night when he said he's weaponizing winter against us, and he is. They're knocking out power and water um, in in a freezing cold winter. So um, I wrote uh, to Tanya, we, we communicate on the Telegram app, and I, I sent her a note um, just last week, and I said, oh, Tanya, just waking to the news of dozens of missiles launched across Ukraine, including Kiev last night, just checking in and hoping you're okay and staying warm. And she said, hello, there was no internet. Even mobile communications are not working well. There was no light for 12 hours. And for 15 hours, there is no water in the tap. We are alive. We will survive these tests. And I said, I know you will. Um, And the thing is, that's the kind of thing that President Zelensky talked about last night as well. In fact, uh, one one clip I I, um, 
I I pulled. Where is it? It's about Christmas. Is this it? This might be it. Um, let's see if if this is the clip I'm looking for. Ladies and gentlemen, Americans, in two days. Actually, we four, will but uh, who's counting? Celebrate Christmas. Yeah. Maybe candle it. Not because it's more romantic, no, no. but because there will not be, will be no electricity. Millions won't have neither heating nor running water. All of these will be the result of Russian missile and drone attacks on our energy infrastructure. But we do not complain. We do not judge and compare whose life is easier. Your well-being is the product of your national security, the result of your struggle for independence and your many victories. We, Ukrainians, will also go through our war of independence and freedom with dignity and success. Well, of course they will. applause. There were a lot of applause breaks. We'll celebrate Christmas. Celebrate Christmas and even if there is no electricity, the light of our faith in ourselves will not be put out. If Russian, if Russian missiles attack us, we'll do our best to protect ourselves if they attack us with Iranian drones, and our people will have to go to bomb shelters on Christmas Eve, Ukrainians will still sit down at the holiday table and cheer up each other. Mm. And we don't, don't have to know every, everyone's wish, as we know that all of us, millions of Ukrainians, wish the same, victory. <laughs> Only victory. Victory. Only victory. I thought he was going to say peace, uh, but I guess peace will only come with Ukrainian victory. He made one other really, well, he made a lot of good points, but another one stood out to me when he said this. Ukraine holds its lines and will never surrender. We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. We have it. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. <laughs> to ensure... Bakhmut is not just a stronghold that holds back the Russian army, but for the Russian army to completely pull out, more cannons and shells are needed. Your money is not charity. Your money is not it's charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. In the most responsible way. And again, after that line... Another standing ovation, except for this group of Republican turds, because that's what they are. Earlier, I, got, I, I need to play this part. So, you know, first he met with President Biden in the Oval Office. Then they had the joint press conference that they always do when a foreign leader visits, right? Um, and so when it came time for, uh, for Zelensky to call a Ukrainian journalist, this man stands up, and before he asked his question, he said this. Dmitry Anopchenko, Ukrainian television. Oh, 
President Zelensky, President Biden, I got a question to both of you, but firstly, as Ukrainian, and I mean it, I want to thank the United States for supporting my country, and, you know, my family is in Ukraine, and I definitely understand they will not be alive today if uh, America will not support my country, both politically and militarily, so thank you for this. It's you honest. Will. And, and so that was, that was a journalist saying, my family would not be alive today if not for the help you, America, are giving us. Do you know what they did on Fox last night? Tucker Carlson, again, I only know this because I I went to Mediaite, who likes to cover what they do over there. Um, And let me read to you what the headline says. I, I didn't... I, I, I didn't even click through to listen. But here's two headlines from Mediaite. Tucker Carlson mocks McConnell for fawning over hunk Zelensky. You can, or I've got to do my Tucker voice. You can almost hear his giggles of pleasure. And then, this was from last night, Tucker Carlson rips Zelensky's speech saying it's, quote, humiliating for Congress to give aid to a, quote, Ukrainian strip club manager? Hey, Tucker Carlson, I got a little song for you. I just need you to shut the fuck up because nobody asked you, bitch. I need you to shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut the fuck up, bitch. Just shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut the fuck up, bitch. Bow, bow, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Bow, bow, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Bow, bow, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Bow, bow. Bow, bow. Shut the fuck up. Why is that man still on the air? I get it. He gets ratings, but they can't sell advertising on his show because the advertisers don't want to spend money with him. Just saying. God, what a piece of crap he is. Anyway, let me, we'll, we'll get back. I'm sure when Howie's here, we'll probably talk a little bit about Vladimir. By the way, if you have Netflix and you haven't seen the show that propelled him not only to stardom in Ukraine, but to the presidency. Um, There is a TV show. It's called Servant of the People. It was his show that was on Ukrainian television. He played a school teacher. And kids filmed him in the role of teacher doing a rant about the, the corrupt government and getting all the shit out of it and fixing things. And... He, go figure. He becomes he gets elected to the presidency. Um, it's in Ukrainian with English subtitles. It's worth watching. I believe it's called Servant of the People. Watch it. There's something about this man. He's just got it. And look, when this war began, everyone was just waiting for him to jump on a plane and leave. And I'll never forget his words. He said, I don't I don't need a ride. I need weapons. Or something to that effect. And he's he's walking the talk. All right, let me tell you what else happened today because Congress is racing against the clock to, um, uh, to get out of town because they want to go home if they can even get flights. Anyway, today, the big omnibus bill, after some delays last night, passed the Senate, a vote of 68 to 29. It now goes to the House. It'll pass the House as long as Nancy Pelosi and her final act can keep the caucus together. And I have no doubt she will. Then it'll go to the president. He'll sign it. They'll leave. And and we can all take next week off. Right. So that that happened today. Um, It may be a late night in the House, but Nancy Pelosi said she hopes final passage will come tonight. 
but that would likely be too late for members to catch flights home ahead of the storm. And already over 38 House members have filed proxy letters to let somebody else cast their vote. So are you wondering where the hell the, the, the January 6th final report is? I am. It was supposed to be released yesterday. It wasn't. They said it's delayed till today. The last I checked, unless it's been, you know, released in the last hour, which I don't think it has, uh, it's still not released. Yeah, I'm looking now. It has not been released yet. Don't know why. Maybe it's a printer problem. Who knows? But they are releasing some of the transcripts of the uh, the um, uh, the the depositions that they took. So. Um, uh, I'm guessing by the weekend. I, I don't know. I guess we find out soon. Um, few other things. Uh, you know that I'm going to wait for Howie, I think, to go through this. Um, one one thing that, that passed that uh, I had not heard anything about this. And in my research today, found a little item of something that passed yesterday. Um. It had already cleared the Senate, and so it had to pass in the House. And they voted yesterday to pass legislation requiring equal pay and benefits for U.S. athletes in international competitions, regardless of gender. This passed yesterday. So, yes, it already cleared the Senate, so it goes to Joe Biden's desk. By the way, the vote in the House, 350 to 59. All 59 who voted against equal pay for athletes in international competition, regardless of gender, all 59 who opposed it, come on, say it with me, Republicans. Of course you knew that, right? Right. All right. Well, it is Thursday. And on Thursdays, we get together with Howie Klein. Of course, he blogs at downwithtyranny.com. He runs the Blue America Pack along with Digby and John Amato. Um, and we've been talking. We've been doing a weekly uh, segment on this show for probably a dozen years already. Well, usually this time of year, Howie, Howie's not there except uh, with COVID. He hasn't been travel. I'll have to ask him about the, the lack of travel lately. Anyway... One last time for 2022. Whose turn is it to mix up the Dirty Debbies? I'll take a triple, please. Whoops. Oh, no. Hold on. I hit the wrong button. Oh, let's do it this way. Are you a multinational corporation hungry for a treat? Well, come on down to Schmucky Chuckies, where you'll personally be seated by Chuck Schumer himself. So many dishes, and they're all fresh. You're going to love our Blue Dog special, the Dino Burger, because we say so. A good hamburger and french fries. And every burger comes with a side order of grits. I love grits. I love anything with corn. It's corn. All for only $50,000. Wash it all down with a dirty Debbie. Nine-tenths water, one-tenth orange juice. After a week or two, you drink this, it's 200 calories, and it's acetic. And wipe your mouth with a tissue print of Glass-Steagall. For dessert, try our DNC tarts. Little cookies, tell the quality of that. Most restaurants give you a mint, but at Schmucky Chuckies, you get complimentary. Sweet and low. Who picks up the tab for all this? Find out now with Howie Klein of DownWithTyranny.com on The Nicole Sandler Show. Hi, Howie Klein. Hi, Nicole. How are you doing? 
I'm good, and you? I'm doing great. You know, I got today and I got tomorrow. I'm actually taking off all next week. So I have best of shows ready to run, and I get to just stand down. It's something that I don't do very often. Now, you, Howie, you know, you're a world traveler, and in years past, you're, you're usually not there, except since COVID, you're there. You haven't right. traveled in a while. Are you going through withdrawals? Yes. I bet. I am. And in fact, uh, my partner, Roland, uh, is still traveling, so he doesn't care, and, and he's even gotten COVID. Oh, God. But he, uh, he's still going places whenever he feels like it. And normally what we do is every summer and every Christmas, we take a month off each time and go somewhere and just settle down somewhere else and try to experience that place. And he's still doing it. It's just wow. I'm not. Wow. And, and obviously, I mean, you've had health challenges, as we know. We've gone through them for the last few years. Um, you got to be careful. I won't get on an airplane now. I don't, I don't know when I will again. Yep, uh, same with me. I'm not getting on any planes. And in fact, two of my uh, best friends from college, Helen and Michael, are coming out here. And they just recently went to Portugal. They got, they got COVID on the way back. And, uh, and then Helen took that, uh, whatever it's called, Paxlovid. 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 Yeah, Paxlovid. And she got it again. I mean, yeah. you know, it, 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 you know it just reba- a rebound case, whatever they right. call it. Yep, that happens. I, they're going uh, to fly out here for a visit in, uh, next month. Well, I, I'm guessing, you know, as long as they're masked and test negative, you're safe around them. Yeah, uh, I'm not worried about me around them. I'm worried about them, uh, uh, you know, but they, they've, they've, you know, they've been very, very cautious this whole time. I keep running into people who have been, you know, cautious for the last two years and, and then let their guard down yep, a little bit. And get and it. Boom. Like a, one of my good friends from uh, Warner Brothers just told me that uh, he and his wife are sick. He was really sick. He said he was sick for a month. <gasps> and uh, they didn't go to the hospital, but uh, uh, but he said he, he was in really miserable shape for a full month. He just started testing uh, positive again. He, ne- he has still never been in a restaurant in two years. Wow. He's so careful. And, and he, he went to one of these events where everybody uh, tests before you go. You know, I don't, when I say event, I mean like a social gathering. Yeah. Everybody got tested and he went still to it, it. And, he, and everyone was wearing a mask and he still, got, he still wound up getting COVID. Oh, God. Yeah, that's frightening. And right now, you know, the cases are, they're coming back. They're afraid that within the next, what, month, half of China will be infected because they have well, this total. Half of Shanghai, half, I read, but okay. you don't mean the whole country, right? Well, maybe Shanghai. I don't, you know. Yeah, yeah probably. Half of Shanghai, but that's like over 12 million people. I know, right? And half is over 12 million. There's 25 million people in Shanghai. It's crazy. So, yeah, and uh, we, I just ordered a new pack of K of N95 masks, they're available now, but you know, it's up to each person to do it. I go out and I don't go out very often down here. And mo- I, I think I'm one of maybe 1% of the people who are wearing uh, masks. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I go shopping in the supermarket and I would say, Mm, like maybe none of the employees or, or I shouldn't say none, but maybe 5% of the employees and 25% of the, of the customers are masked. 
Wow, more, a more than bit down more here. So lately than than a few weeks ago. Yeah, but uh, most people are not masked here in L.A. Crazy, it is crazy, uh, and and they're saying you should mask you know, up who is, again. Who is masked? And you know they're sm- they're smart enough to be masked. Uh, Asians. Right. Whenever you see someone with a mask and you look a little closer, you realize, oh, it's an Asian. You sure they yeah. masked. And they've, they've worn masks before, before COVID, because they're smarter than we are, I guess. I don't That's know. That's where I got it from. Also, by the way, was all the traveling I did in Asia over the years. I've been wearing masks for 30 years when it comes to going on in dangerous situations, like airplanes, for example. I've, I've never gone on an airplane without a mask, ever, wow. and haven't in, like I said, 30 years. Wow. Well, I, I certainly will. Uh, when when the time comes. All right. So this is our warning. It's it's the holidays. Still be careful. Don't let your guard down because you don't want to get sick and you certainly don't want long COVID. Um, So Howie Klein, it's a busy, busy week, even though everyone's trying to get out of D.C. and a lot has happened over the last, say, 24, 48 hours. Right now, the, the Senate today passed the omnibus funding bill and now it goes back to the House. I don't think Nancy Pelosi will have trouble getting Uh, all Democrats to vote for it and it'll pass and it'll go to Biden. It'll get signed. They can now try to get home with the weather being as it is. A lot of them will not, I'm guessing. Right. So they got that done. It looks like they're, you know, they're going to cruise to the end of the 117th Congress. And now it's a lot of the, um, you know, the, the party work going on. It, the, um, you know, it, the things dealing with the Republican leadership in the House, because they are, do take control on January 3rd, there's still... Well, who takes control? Well, the, the, the Republicans... <laughs> we don't know who takes control. Right. No, the party, Republicans take control of the House, but we don't know who will take control of the party, because there's it's looking like there's enough people who do not want Kevin McCarthy that he may not be Speaker after all. Right. All they need, unless some Democrats uh, decide to vote for him, which they doesn't won't. look likely. Yeah. But uh, although you never know. But unless uh, some Democrats vote for him, all he needs is to lose four Republicans. And there, there are, I think, a six or seven now who have pledged not to vote for him. And he can't be speaker. So I don't know if you read, probably you didn't, but there was a, uh, a Matt Gates op-ed that came out last night. No. Uh, explaining why he, he is going to make sure that McCarthy uh, doesn't become the speaker. And it sounded like he's serious and it's going to happen. I mean, my, my theory all along has been, and it's still partially this, that what they're trying to do is to get McCarthy to agree to every single demand they have. Right. And, and the main one that, that he's held out on is, is the vacate the chair rule. Which and means that they can they he'll, can do- he'll give in on that as well in the end, but well, and that but now I'm thinking they don't even want him if he even gives in on that. Although who knows? I mean that, but that's that's what Gates says. They say, Gates says he's he's he called him Caven Carthy, like cave in Carthy, <laughs> uh, and he said he's not fit to be speaker and we don't want him. And, well, he's not, you know, he's not, but. Who, for who different does he reasons. Want instead, I mean, you know, I don't. He doesn't offer an alternative. In the past, he said Trump. Oh God! Obviously, not fit to be speaker. Right. Uh, and I'm guessing that what they really want that these these never Kevin folks is, is uh, Jim Jordan. That, that's oh, my guess. Oh God! Oh God! So there was some talk that Steve Scalise is like getting ready in the background, but he doesn't want to appear to be trying to right. push him out. Um, would they take Steve Scalise? Isn't he basically Kevin McCarthy light? That's right. 
they would prefer Jim Jordan, but they would they would if they couldn't get Jordan, they would take Scalise. But I, I think they prefer they definitely prefer Jordan. Oh God, can you imagine? I mean, I, I but I but I still think that in the end, Kevin McCarthy will give in on every single thing, and there are a couple. You know, Gates won't give in. Gates will be no, a never Kevin guy, but there there are a couple of people in that little ad hoc coalition that he's got who will give in. Some of them have already said they would. Some of them have said if if McCarthy goes along with the uh, vacate the chair rule, that they'll withdraw their objections to him. So so that's why I think he's going to wind up as speaker. Yeah, but then for how long? Because the vacate the chair rule basically says at any time they want him out as speaker, they can exercise that clause and say, you're out. So remember, that's been a rule until Pelosi got rid of it in 2018. uh, That's always been a rule. So uh, it's not that big of a deal, to be honest with you. The, the reason that McCarthy has dug his heels in so strongly against this is because Paul Ryan uh, got a hold of him yep. and said, if you give in to this, uh, they'll make your life miserable. It won't be worth being speaker. And, McC- and it was really Ryan who talked him into oh. uh, putting up such a hard line. And, and they had a vo- the 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 uh, Republican conference had a vote on it, and it was overwhelming. They vote they voted against it. So, wow. So they didn't want it because they're they're also afraid that what will happen is any any bill that comes up, just a you know a, just a couple of Republicans will make it just a misery on all of them every single time trying to you know get their way on every little right. thing. Right. So yeah, that's because, why they're all afraid. Right. But, you know, good good for them. Yeah, let them keep doing it. Now, you know, we can look, we can point fingers at them easily, but you know, we can also point fingers at our side of the aisle. You know, you and I over the years have complained about Nancy Pelosi, but she was, back in the day, she was a progressive and she did get a lot done. And, you know, you got to give her some credit because she did, she did do a lot of good. She did do a lot of stuff I disagreed with, but... She's got a legacy. Well, now she's being replaced. She's stepping down from leadership. And Hakeem Jeffries has, um, is, is taking over as the, the head, the chair of the House Democrats. He'll be the House Minority Leader now, uh, come the 18, 118th Congress. And one of his first things... You know, they were trying to pick a new chair of the DCCC. This is the person who is responsible for winning back the House, basically. The last one was, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sean, Sean Patrick Maloney, who uh, got himself voted out of office because of his, uh, the ways he did things. Um, and so there were two names being floated and that nobody wanted because for, for a number of, I know why I didn't want them. They were a bit too conservademy. So who does who does uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries pick? Susan well, um, Delbeni. Then Delbeni, who's just as conservative as the other two. Yeah. In fact, maybe more, more. conservative uh, than um, than at least one of them. But the the, the reason that that the uh, Democrats sort of had a consensus uh, that it wouldn't be the two who who offered themselves up, Ami Berra from uh, Northern California and then um, Tony Cardenas from Southern California because they're both criminals. Uh, I mean, they're as bad as they come. And there's a, a film that uh, that's going around. It, it, the film's not out yet. So it's a trailer for a film 
called pariah. And the, the, the pariah, pariah does not refer to, uh, to, to uh, Tony Cardenas. It refers to one of his, his big uh, campaign backers. So that backer has two names. Um, one of those names is um, Contusion. So if you're part of the porn world, you know that Contusion is the most vile and disgusting uh, uh, pornographer in the world. I didn't know that, but okay. All right. Okay. And, well, you're not into porn, unlike uh, who is that? Uh, some Republican that's carrying on about porn the other day? Um, uh, oh, I know. Josh Hawley. Oh, God. Apparently, Josh Hawley spends his whole life watching porn. But um, so... Sorry for the uh, uh, the tangent there. That's okay. But the, this guy, so, um, oh, damn, what's his name? A right-wing radio guy in L.A. has a brother, and the brother is Contusion. I'm trying to think of his name. It wouldn't matter to anybody anyway, but he has another name. And under that other name, he's a big-time developer. So the thing is, is that before Tony Cardenas was in Congress, he was a city councilman, and he was known really just for being one thing, the most corrupt member of the city council who took lots and lots of money from the developers, particularly this, this developer. So you know, the, he'd, get paid, he'd get paid off, and he'd get zoning uh, variances and things like that. Um, so here's this movie coming out, which the Republicans are like drooling over, thinking, oh, this is going to be the new head of the DCCC. <laughs> and it's a movie showing that he, he raped a young girl. He groomed her and raped her. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Contusion bought, or, or I don't know if, he, yeah, he, he bought a home under Cardenas' uh, auspices. He bought a home for the family of the girl. So the girl... And her whole family, she had several brothers and sisters and her two parents, were living in a trailer in a not great situation. And suddenly they had a four-bedroom home. Uh, and that was a bribe to keep her from uh, to, to, turning in Cardenas. It, it's, a, it's a really h- horrific story. And um, when it first started, Nancy Pelosi you know, had no choice but to... Uh, you know, demand an ethics uh, committee hearing about it. But she moved quickly to try to uh, help um, Cardenas cover, cover this thing up. So you think, okay, well, he's that terrible. So Ami Berra couldn't be as bad as that. Well, you know, maybe not as bad as that, but, but really bad. He uh, got involved with a, um, a money, like a, a campaign finance fraud with four other Democrats, including one that's near your district, no, no longer, but uh, Patrick Murphy. Oh, right. Uh, I remember and him. And these were all people who had somewhat wealthy parents, and the parents would, would all donate to the other ones. So that what they were doing was um, evading campaign finance laws by, um, uh, by a combination of straw donors and uh, and. and, and pouring money into each other's campaigns. And it, it's illegal. And uh, Berra got, uh, got caught. He was, the one, he was the one that they, they went on trial. And what he did is he blamed his father, his 80-year-old sick father. Oh my God. And the father was told to take the rap or else his wife, who was also 80 and sick, otherwise she would go to jail. So the father wound up in jail so that Berra could continue his, uh, his uh, career in politics. Wow. Horrible situation. Oh, God. I think the, brother, the father is finally out of jail, but he spent, some, I think, the better part of a year in prison. So anyway, who wants him as the head of the DCCC? Right. 
Or either one of them is the head. So what happened, what they did is one of the, one of the members of Congress who, who has a personal rivalry with Tony Cardenas is um, Mark Pocan. So not for good reasons, but because of this personal rivalry, Mark Pocan persuaded Hakeem Jeffries to let him and some other Democrats, including Suzanne Del Beni, uh, have a, a new situation where instead of the head of the DCCC being elected by all the members, the, the uh, head of the party, so in this case the minority leader, otherwise the speaker, would, would nominate someone and then there would be an up or down vote. In other words, whoever the speaker picks or whoever the minority leader picks right. would become the head of the DCCC. Ah. So that happened and that kept it from going to Tony uh, Cardenas, and instead it went to Suzanne Del Beni, who until very recently was the head of the Blue Dog, uh, the New Dems, the head right. of the New Dems. Right. I, I she, want... She's bad, but she's not like horrific, and she's not a criminal. Okay. Uh, she just doesn't agree with us on policy. She's, you know, she's a rather conservative Democrat, but not as bad, uh, not as bad as Ami Berra. Uh, it, 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 you know, the, pol- the politics doesn't really matter in this particular job. Um, but but integrity and honesty does matter in this okay. job. All right. And and I I, I feel okay about her. Oh, okay. Compared to them. Good. Okay. Well, then th- that's a positive. Um, uh, Jamie Raskin got yes, Jamie today. Jamie got a leadership. Got well. Tell us what. So he he went for the um, um to be the ranking member in the oversight committee. A more very seat, important job. A very important job, especially oversight especially under the current uh, situation yes. with the. Rep- are, that's going to be their number one camp, uh, their, their number one uh, effort is going to be to to use that committee to try to like get at Biden and his cabinet and other Democrats. And that's what they that's what they're going to spend it since they don't care about policy to, to any real extent. They're not trying to pass laws. They're going to try to do, in, do investigations, and it comes out of that committee. So the, the Democrat who's in charge. We need somebody really, really, really smart and really, really good and really, really fearless. Yeah. Who's going like, to fight like a mad dog. And Jamie like I Raskin. said, I've, kn- I've known Jamie for a very long time when he was still the state legislature in Maryland. And he, uh, he was the counsel for an organization that I'm involved with. And he's that. He's, he's, <laughs> he's great. All of those- I was, I was so I, glad I to see him. I sent him a, a congratulations letter as well today. Oh, cool! Yeah, he's he's great. I got to sh- you. You're you're not on the, on camera, and so you're not seeing the video, so you can't see this. But I'm gonna sh- I'm showing my latest pet portrait. This is a dog who just has the cutest smile on his face. And uh, listener Elise has she's she's commissioned me to paint a few pets that weren't her. This is not her dog. This is a picture she found of this smiling dog that was just so cute. And she asked me to paint him. So I did. And I painted him and I said, okay, this dog needs a name. And so we decided to name him Raskin. <laughs> because it's, just, it's perfect. And I got I'll send you a picture of this guy because he's adorable and he's got this smile on his face and so this is my latest portrait it's raskin and i i think it's my favorite that i've done so far so well, se- definitely send it to me don't forget and i'll send it to jamie oh cool oh i definitely will i'll send it to you as soon as the show ends because it's it, it's the smiling to- and it just and when i mentioned it to elise it was the day that uh that that they held the last you know one six committee meeting when he read off the referrals of criminal charges and that was the night i said okay the dog's name is raskin and she's like yes that's perfect 
<laughs> Good. Well, you know, he, he won overwhelmingly. So, so normally to get this position, what happens is that the, uh, the, there's a committee that, I can't remember the name of it, it's a committee of committees. And, and that is the committee that decides who's going to be the ranking member and who will be on what committee, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they, they picked Jamie. But the, uh, there were two other Democrats ru- running. One of them was Stephen Lynch from Boston, and he um, you know, did the right thing and withdrew. And the other one is a, uh, a, um, from Northern Virginia, Gerald Connolly. Connolly. Right. Eric Connolly. And he, he decided instead that he would take this to the entire caucus and fight it out with Jamie. And Jamie won, I don't remember the exact vote, but it was something like, it was nearly, it was almost two to one. It was an overwhelming majority went for Jamie. So that, that was, That's you know, great. really heartening. That's great. Now the, the guy's not really terrible. I mean, Jamie is great. Right. And the other guy is... Eh. He's okay. Right. I know. Jerry Connolly, he's all right. But yeah, he's not Jamie Raskin. So Jamie yeah. Raskin is where we need him right now. That's awesome. Howie, I also got to ask you, you have a piece up and down with tyranny about this. Why did nobody know who George Santos was before he was elected to Congress from New York? I'll tell you exactly why. First of all, the Democrats nominated uh, a, a completely incompetent careerist who was, was just terrible, he had, and he'd never run for office before. It, his only qualification for being the nominee was that he had been Hillary Clinton's uh, like a co-chair of her finance committee at one point. That was it. Wow. And that makes him a mem- uh, someone who's fit to be a member of Congress? I don't think so. No. But he got the nomination. It's just, and he, he got the nomination 5% of the vote. Like 9,500 people voted for him. And that's how he wound up with the nomination. Completely incompetent. Didn't know how to do his job. That, but then you think, well, how about the DCCC? Don't they do opposition research on Republicans? They do. But they do a very, very hackish job. The person who did it or the, or the firm that did it, uh, you know, they did all the regular things. But they didn't think to do irregular things like checking the guy's uh, status, uh, legal status in, in Brazil and finding out that he's, he's a wanted man in, in oh Brazil. God. They didn't even find out that, that uh, Santos actually is a resident of Florida and not a resident of New York. New York. They didn't oh, my doubt, God. Well, who would even think to ask to find out if the guy is lying about being Jewish? <laughs> He's, and he, he, he ran as a Jewish guy, and he's not Jewish. He ran as, as a, a gay as, man, he, but he was I, married to a woman. Right? Right. He ran as, as being gay, and he wasn't gay. Now, there are gay people who are married to women. That right. does happen. But, but from all I've been able to find out about this guy is he's not gay. He just ran as gay. This guy, Robert Zimmerman, the Democrat who ran, he is Jewish for real. Right. And, and he gay. is gay for real. Oh, my God. And, and this guy, Santos, decided he'll run as gay and Jewish, too, even though he's not, neither gay nor Jewish. I, and, and I could be wrong about him being Jewish. I'm, I'm still investigating. But so far, my investigation is showing he's not gay. Yeah. And, and the name Santos is not your typical Jewish name, just saying. Santos? No, but there, there, what happened right. was starting in, uh, in, the, in the late 1400s, early 1500s, lots and lots of um, uh, Spanish and Portuguese Jews emigrated to Brazil to escape the, uh, um, uh, what is that called? Uh, when they burned them, order de fe, what's that called again? The, uh, it's not insurrection, but it, it, it's like when they were burning Jews at the stake. Okay. Oh, 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 yes. I, um. 
Inquisition, the Inquisition. Inquisition. So they, to escape the Inquisition, a lot of they moved all over the world, but one of the places they went to was Brazil. Mm-hmm. And then every time there was a some kind of nightmare, like pogroms in Russia, and then the Nazis, uh, Jews would move to Brazil. So there's a very, very large Jewish population in Brazil, and so 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 some of them have names like Santos. Gotcha. Santos, on the other hand, there's every everything that's been checked out about his family shows that they're not Jewish and have never been Jewish. And they didn't come over in any of these, uh, um, uh, you know, re- in any of these refugee situations, uh, escaping right. uh, uh, oppression. So he, and that was part of his lie. That's one of many, many lies, including, you know, he, he gave an address of, of where he was registered to vote. The New York Times went to the address and the people there never heard of him. They didn't know who he was. He, he said he, he graduated from NYU and, and, the Baruch, and, the, and Baruch uh, College. College. He didn't right. go to either one of those, or at least didn't graduate from either oh one of them. God. I don't think he went to either one of them either. And he worked at Citigroup, and he worked, and he never did. And he worked at uh, uh, Goldman Sachs, okay, and he so, never did. So, what, so what, what's the recourse? Is they, can they recall him? Can they say, no, this, you, you misrepresented yourself? You are not legit? Get out of here? Yes, they could do that, but it would take the Republicans to do that. They have the majority, and there's no chance. I mean, they could find 10 dead bodies buried under his bed, and they're not going to do that. It's a Democratic district. If they had an, an election today, he would, he, a Republican would lose. They're not going to win that election. Wow. So the, there's no chance they're going to do anything like that. So there's only two possibilities. One which is the more likely possibility is that the voters will have to wait two years and vote them out, which is probably what's going to happen. But there is another thing that just happened today, which is that the attorney general of New York announced that she's looking into this. Oh. So if, if actual crimes have been committed, that is another situation. I don't know what that other situation is, but there's a possibility that something could come of that. But we'll see. I, I, I doubt it. I would say there's maybe a 5% chance that that's going to lead to something. 95% chance this guy is going to uh, be in Congress for the next two years and then will be voted out in 2024. Then he'll go hang out with Madison Cawthorn. Yes. <laughs> no, Madison Cawthorn is gay and this guy's not. Right. <laughs> but, but Madison Cawthorn won't admit he's gay and the other guy claims he is. So they're a match made in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Just oh, craziness. By the way, do you hear about this memo? From AIDS to Kirsten Cinema, talking about how she runs her office. I didn't read it. I heard. I I I heard about it. I didn't. I didn't read the memo, but I I read about the memo. Did you Did you wind up? Re- it's like no. I didn't read the whole thing. Did but but here here's the here's the write up about it. Here, a 37 page memo for AIDS to Cinema lays out the centrist's very specific preferences, from omnipresent bottles of room temperature water to a deathly aversion to middle seats on airplanes. This is from the Daily Beast. The Daily Beast Sam Brody reports. Me, by the way. What's <laughs> Say that again. She sounds just like me so far. <laughs> well, I, like, that, um, I like room temperature water, and I would right. never sit in a uh, middle seat. Right, of course, if you can avoid it. Um, it says the guidelines, she appears to go right up to the line of what Senate, Senate ethics rules allow, if not over. Um, you know what? This is the wrong story, because I read one with a lot more specifics. Where yeah, I want to know what the what – I, I read that, too. I want to know what, uh, what ethics rules she, she went over. Um, well, things like having her staff do personal stuff for her. You're not allowed to schedule her for anything, any event, 
any meeting, anything that's outside of regular business office hours because she spends all her time training for things like um, uh, like triathlons and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, you know, there's something sane about that. Yeah. <laughs> in some world, I suppose. So, Howie, tomorrow is Festivus. Now, I, you know, I watched Seinfeld back in the day, and I haven't seen it in probably 20 years, but certain things break through and, and get, take their place in, 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 in popular culture. And Festivus is a holiday that was um, that grew out of Seinfeld that I continue to observe to this day. And tomorrow is Festivus. So I'm inviting listeners to call in to air their grievances because that's one of the things you do on Festivus. So we're doing that oh, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and w- grievances about anything in life or grievances Any, about you? Anything in life. Anything oh. that you want to air your grievances about, this is the time to do it. So that's how we're going to wrap up the year here on the show. And that's the end of the year, huh? And that's the end of the year. Next week, we got best We're not of meeting shows. again until after the first? We're not. Next week, I'm off. And then the, the following week is the new year. Cool. Oh, really? Yeah. It's that coming really fast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Today's the 22nd. I know. It's like it's just snuck right up on us. But that's okay. I'm ready to say goodbye to 2022. And, uh, you know, although I'm not really looking forward to 2023 because too many things are starting off on the wrong foot. But... You know. I'm looking forward to January 3rd when the Republicans uh, try to decide who the speaker is going to be. <laughs> that should be a day worthy of uh, a couple of bowls of popcorn, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. Howie Klein, mm-hmm. find him at downwithtyranny.com and uh, here on Thursdays, and we will reconvene in the new year. Uh, have a wonderful sure. holiday, and I'll talk yep. to you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Howie. Bye-bye. Uh, and with that, we are we are done. Now, tomorrow, yes, tomorrow we will have our Festivus observation. Also, we're going to hear from a woman we're going to hear from today, but because of Zelensky, I didn't have time. Um, this is a woman who contacted me after hearing the show that I did uh, from that I brought back from some years ago about Leonard Peltier, the longest serving political prisoner in America. And she is the a director of an organization called Progressive Secretary. And it's they they help with letter writing campaigns. And she heard the show on Leonard Peltier and she contacted me and said, we are sending out a letter to President Biden asking that he grant clemency to Mr. Peltier. So um, I recorded something with her yesterday. I was going to air it today. We will run it tomorrow. So you can send a letter as well to the president asking to please release Leonard Peltier already. We'll get more into it tomorrow. Um, With that, okay, you saw that you saw Raskin. I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm forgetting. Uh, If there is, we'll get to it tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I will see you manana. And as usual, I'll leave you with the news. Um, And we still don't have the the full 1-6 committee report. Maybe tomorrow. All right. See you then. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. It was one for the history books. For the first time since Russia invaded in February, 
Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky left his country and he flew to Washington, D.C. to meet with President Joe Biden at the White House and deliver a major speech to a joint meeting of Congress. President Zelensky expressed gratitude for U.S. support in an emotional, impassioned address. He called for more U.S. help and stronger sanctions against Moscow, telling lawmakers that Ukraine will never surrender. Ukraine holds its lines and will never surrender. We have artillery. Yes, thank you. We have it. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. <laughs> to ensure Bakhmut is not just a stronghold that holds back the Russian army, but for the Russian army to completely pull out, more cannons and shells are needed. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. Earlier in the day, President Biden had announced the U.S. will send Kyiv a Patriot missile defense system as part of an additional $1.8 billion assistance package. President Zelensky reiterated that air defense systems are crucial to countering Russia attacks. It felt like an overwhelmingly bipartisan reception. But looks can be a bit deceptive, as several Republican lawmakers, including some of those set to assume top leadership positions, weren't ready to commit to keeping the funding going in the next session. Only about 85 House Republicans out of 213 total were even in the chamber for the speech. And then there was the not-so-cool kids table with Republicans Matt Gates of Florida, Andrew Clyde of Georgia, Warren Davidson of Ohio and Lauren Boebert of Crazy Town, none of whom joined in or even clapped during an otherwise pretty raucous greeting for Zelensky when he entered the chamber. Gates and Boebert also didn't clap when President Zelensky thanked Congress and the entirety of the United States for its support, nor did they clap when Zelensky recognized his guests, Ukrainians forced to leave the country by the Russian attack. But even that can't lessen the emotional impact of the sustained standing ovation that lasted well over two full minutes when Zelensky, wearing his trademark army green crew neck and cargo pants, entered the chamber. Meanwhile, in Russia, Putin declared there would be a substantial investment in his military as the war drags on. After the speech concluded, Congress got down to business. And they were there well into the night. At around 2 a.m., Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer went to the floor to say that they are making progress on that omnibus funding bill. Again, it was 2 a.m. when Schumer said, quote, It is my expectation that we will be able to lock in an agreement on the omnibus tomorrow morning. We're very close but we're not there yet. He summoned the members back by 8 a.m. Thursday morning for the first vote. All righty then. A reminder that government funding runs out Friday night, Christmas is Sunday, and, well, the debate over this big 4,155-page package could drag into next week. Stay tuned. So what happened with the January 6th report? With all the Zelensky news dominating Wednesday's coverage, you wouldn't be alone if you were wondering what happened to the release. Well, it was postponed. But the full 800-page report is expected to drop sometime today. And Still it will not conclude out. that Donald Trump criminally plotted to undo the 2020 election result and, quote, provoked his supporters to violence at the Capitol with false claims of widespread voter fraud. Although the full report is delayed until likely today, the panel did already release 34 transcripts 
out of the 1,000 interviews it conducted over the last 18 months. Another big release is being analyzed in the wake of the House Ways and Means Committee finally getting five years of the former guy's tax returns. The Congressional Joint Committee on Taxation released a report describing many red flags found in the former guy's tax returns that merit further investigation. This committee is a bipartisan panel that reviews tax legislation and has a staff of tax law experts. It said potential audit triggers included dubious private jet expenses, unsubstantiated charitable deductions, and payments from Trump's eldest children, Don Jr., Ivanka, and Eric. Those payments were described as interest on personal loans that the committee said could be seen as disguised gifts to evade gift tax and let Trump's children write off the interest payments. None of these questionable practices found in the returns, which Trump fought to keep secret for years, have been seriously audited, despite his claims to the contrary. From the Not Again files, Benjamin Netanyahu is back. Yeah, he announced Wednesday that he had formed a coalition that will bring him back as Israel's prime minister. Oh, please. Now we learn that what he's put together is a hardline six-party coalition that will give him the most right-wing administration in the country's history. The New York Times reporting that the new government, which will take over after five elections in four years, is expected to increase support for the most religious Jews and reduce Palestinian autonomy in the occupied West Bank. Just what we didn't want to hear to end this year. And finally, it's beginning to feel a lot like, well, winter. A major storm system, which the National Weather Service is calling a once-in-a-generation type event, is touching nearly every state in the nation. More than 100 million people are currently under winter weather and wind chill alerts as record-breaking temperature drops are being felt everywhere. Denver International saw a 37-degree drop in temperature in over one hour on Wednesday. In Cheyenne, Wyoming, they saw the mercury fall 30 degrees in just 10 minutes. Governors in Georgia, Oklahoma, and Kentucky have each declared a state of emergency as other state leaders activate emergency response operations. The forecast for Christmas weekend could be the coldest in decades. And yes, holiday travel is already being impacted. Southwest Airlines alone said it has canceled 500 of its 4,000 scheduled flights on Thursday and Friday, while at least 145 flights into or out of Denver were canceled on Wednesday. And in case you were wondering, here in South Florida, the forecast warns of falling iguanas. Seriously, temperatures are predicted to drop into the 40s over the next few nights, so authorities are warning that green iguanas, which can actually grow up to about 5 feet and weigh 20 pounds, are cold-blooded. So once it gets cold enough, iguanas can stiffen up and actually fall out of trees and onto the ground or whatever is below. So if you find a stiff iguana on the ground this weekend, just leave it alone. It may be stiff and not moving, but it may actually be alive. And if an iguana feels threatened, once it warms up, it may bite. Other than that, happy holidays, everyone. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is 100% listener supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that donate button.